Welcome to another episode of our mini podcast, I Built a Company That Makes a Difference by B1, where we talk to founders of sustainable businesses to get their takes on how and why they started their companies and lessons that they have learned along the way. Today, I'm joined by Tiffany Bazzato, creator of Do Mighty, a line of circular refillable skincare products that are high impact and plastic free. Tiffany, your products look absolutely beautiful. In fact, they look good enough to eat. Um, I've been <laughs> on the lookout you. for a really good face care bar in the UK. I've seen some in the US, but I'm looking for one in the UK. I see you ship to the UK. I'm very excited about that. So I have a couple things in my basket. I'm just waiting to check out after this. Uh, and Amazing. we'll talk all about that, what your products do. Uh, but in the meantime, <clears throat> welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So you're sitting in California. I am. We're located in Hermosa Beach, California. Um, it's a beautiful town. The people are wonderful. It's probably what I would consider to be a little sleepy for Los Angeles <laughs> in comparison. Nice. Yep. Lovely. Let's just jump into it. Can you tell us about yourself a little bit and how uh, Do Mighty came about? Absolutely. Um, you know, if I really look at the journey, I, I would have said probably a few years ago because I was it was so much more um, ingrained in what I was doing, you know, and start with the beauty industry experience and my science background, which that's all there. And I'll touch on that for a second. But you know, it started much earlier than that. My mom is from Taiwan. Um, she immigrated here with my dad and and they were very young, you know, early 20s when they came to the U.S. and really started a life and had us, um, my brother and I. And, you know, her perspective was just so different in comparison, I think, to like my other friend's moms. Um she was from that, like, I don't throw away, I reuse, there's no waste in the house. Um, and that kind of like reinforced a lot of what I saw later on in life. Um, when it was the opposite, everyone was talking about, you know, let's just buy this for five minutes, because I need it. And if I have to throw it away, it's cheap. So whatever. Um, so there's a lot of memories there thinking about that and how she would cook our meals and, you know, leftovers would go in like an old margarine tub. Uh, so it was not unusual that you would open the refrigerator and you would see, you know, a lot of colorful packaging and none of it would be actually the item that was supposed to be inside. Uh, and then you fast forward. And what I loved in school, honestly, was science. I had the, some of the most amazing science teachers in high school and uh, chemistry, even though um, I remember his name, actually, Mr. Highland from La Quinta, if he's still doing chemistry, which I think he is. Uh, he was an inspiration because I was not a great chemistry student, but he was fantastic as a chemistry teacher. Um, and I was a bit rebellious at the time, not really wanting to sit still. I probably had a, a mild form of ADHD that I wasn't really aware of. Um, and he was just so good at teaching the major concepts. Um, actually, even now, I look back on that and I had been assigned uh, a chemical from the periodic table, fluorine, which is like a hot topic right now because of the forever chemicals discussion. And we had to do these like major college style reports on a chemical element and mine was fluorine. So these memories, they just like layer themselves um, and then fast forward a bit into college. And, you know, I ended up going into doing biochemistry 
um, organic chemistry was like a really hard topic for me. I, I, I'm a very hands-on person. So, you know, labs were much better than the conceptualized way you would use chemistry um, at school. I, I had to retake a class, actually. I got tutoring. I was like, I'll never use this again. This will not be useful in my life. Um, That's the joke. Isn't that a joke? I mean, yes. <laughs> so people out there that are that are going through this and you hearing this podcast, I mean, stick with it if you just have a passion, but you don't understand why you're doing it because it was easy to stick with. I just didn't understand how the grades matched like what I was supposed to be learning um, because then you know, leaving school and finding my first job where it all applied and like kind of came together was how I got into beauty. Um, my mentor or what was to be my mentor at the time was a really passionate um, gentleman that worked at a, a beauty company. Um, they distributed raw materials out of San Fernando Valley and they wrapped, you know, what I would say would be like some of the most prominent lines of products. And each one, you know, had scientists that basically synthesized the molecules, you know, groups of scientists, they were all over the world. It was really, really cool. Um, and they had an applications lab. So it was really that first day coming in and showing me exactly like how an emulsion was created, a multi-lamellar emulsion to be exact. Um, I remember being at a gas station, um, filling up cause I had to drive from orange County to get to this first job. And I drove back and forth for months. Um, but I remember calling my significant other at the time and was like, did you have any idea that like everything in a jar or a tube has a formula? And I just made one. And he was like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> and <laughs> bones at the time didn't record. So you couldn't just record a photo and or take a quick picture and you know they were flip phones so it was all talked about and like you know just my own eyes and so at that point I was I was a devotee like there was just nothing going back um and since then it's been 18 years now using my science degree doing different roles within beauty um helping many companies in product development develop their items before you know, in 2020, then deciding to launch and start Do Mighty, um, which you our launched business... in COVID. This was the yeah, COVID we... <laughs> launch, baby. It is. And that was not planned, of course. Nobody really knew what was going to happen. And just like every great launch, we were hoping to actually be launched the winter of 2019. Um, it was supply delays and just general, you know, not being able to put it all together at once um, that kept pushing the date out. Uh, and so that was too bad because obviously it would have been nice to see what would have happened um, a few months prior to COVID, but we always look at everything with a silver lining. It really caused us to l really quickly look at, you know, should we logistically, should we really be rolling up everything into one place? The answer was yes. Like you couldn't ship anything if you weren't willing to kind of do that at the time. Um, so we integrated really everything all in one place, which was the plan, um, but it cemented everything really, really quickly. Um, and we launched with one product. So what um, was that, that first was always, product? It was uh, our Bloom Nourish and Calm Jelly Serum Bar. So we kind of knew at that point, I mean, honestly, 
it's our hero product. When you, when you look at skincare, you kind of want something that like promotes the healthy barrier. We wanted it to be for everyone. I suffer from eczema. Um, and I learned later on, um, in my childhood that basically that eczema was from fragrances and also from organic sunscreens, which are highly penetrable to the skin. Um, interesting. Yeah. Everybody's trigger is very different. So the problem with issues like rosacea and even like what I was suffering from eczema is that you can't necessarily trace it to any one item. Um, but you can try to create like a pathway to figuring out your flare ups. Is it like would... a food intolerance where you would start with your regular diet and then eliminate a thing by thing, like one a month to see if that was the thing that was triggering you? Is it a bit like that? It's a bit like that. And ideally, you know, because you can't just stop everything, right? You have to cleanse your body. You have to, you know, have basic hygiene was important. The good news is I was a teenager when I started to notice the pattern because I just thought I was going to suffer from the skin condition for a really long time. Um, but the trigger actually it was like quite epic to learn um, because at the time it was when Bath and Body Works and, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that love their products out there, but it was when they became so popular that every friend for every type of birthday or holiday was oh, gifting yeah. a Body Works set. Yeah. So I had several and it was one day after a flare up, um, finally calmed down and it got to the point where I was like, so itchy my entire arm would be scabbed. So like where I would flare up would be neck, arm, um, part of the face, ankles and feet. Um, and so the areas were always very common. So I'd wear long sleeves. Uh, but it had gone away for about a week and I'm like, thank goodness. That was like horrible. Uh, the scabs were healing and I had reapplied on like my neck, a body splash fragrance. And that was the only place that flared up a week later. And then I realized oh, a I'm like, week later. God. So it's mm -hmm. not even immediate. That would be really hard to pinpoint then. Yeah. But it was the only product I had changed and decided to put on. And it was the only place that it had gone on my skin. Well, you know, not knowing that that was like necessarily what was happening at the time. Um, I sort of banked the information, stopped using it, and my skin condition got so much better, um, which this is where something can come like full circle. So then imagine like being in the beauty industry many years later in my early and late 20s, you know, doing um, my raw material business development job, uh, you know, get to call on Bath and Body Works and like... I'm not going to give away any obviously company trade secrets, but then you learn a bit about like what their focus was, what their target was for their formulas um, was always sur surrounded by the fragrance. So that's right, probably right. the best way to put it. You know, their formulas, if you think about it, like, cause they're so fragrant, you know, your system has to basically support whatever they want to put in at that level um, to get that like highly fragrant product. So Learning that, it, it triggered that memory that I'm like, oh, my God, like I did stop using these products so long ago. I wonder if it's actually just generally speaking fragrance that's my issue. And turns out it is, <laughs> wow. you know, that's and the clean so movement, too. Think about that, right? The clean movement really kind of, I know, demonized fragrances, um, but not everybody can handle it. Not everybody's skin yeah. barrier. Mine's extra sensitive. And I think there's a lot of people like me out there.
Can you talk to us about, because you've worked in this industry on the mainstream side for a while. Can you talk to us about what you felt was broken or not paid attention to enough that really uh, motivated you to start Do Mighty? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it took, again, like seeing for many years these layers that we kind of keep coming back to, but having uh, different roles from, you know, a distributor versus I worked with like a very large, um, very interesting company that actually developed a lot of the um, organic chems chemical sunscreen filters. And I use chemical quotations because you know, organic filters basically means what people say, slang chemical versus physical. Um, so avobenzone, octocrylene, homosylate, salicylates, things of that nature. Um, you know, they were a direct uh, producer of the products and their quality and their manufacturing was unparalleled. Their science was like amazing to see firsthand. Um and then working with these brands and talking to marketing people uh, and then trying to figure out, you know, where's the fit for some of these different items, um, you de definitely see a disconnect. So what ends up happening is products get created by very scientifically founded, knowledgeable people, and then it has to be translated through marketing and product development, which oftentimes those people, um, you know, they have marketing degrees, not science degrees. Um, so you're really left with that gap of how do I get a product that I think is going to do what I need to for our customers in the marketplace or cater to a certain market need, um, but kind of dumb down the science <laughs> because nobody wants to really learn all the facts. Um, so learning that pattern and then going into the behind the scenes, like being um, sort of like a part of a manufacturing facility and then all working with brands in that way, understanding production efficiency, like how something, you know, is, you know, costed out and all this stuff that's really hidden from the general public, probably still, most people are like how I was when I started my first job. They might not even know. They might be listening to this podcast and just learning that everything has a formula in a package. Um, and when I say that, I'm going to even preface it that have you thought about your food products even? You know, everything from shredded cheese to a spray in a mist bottle. Those are all formulas. And that's important for the conversation because there's a scientist behind all of that. So I think like one of my biggest takeaway learnings that I, that's changing right now is that gap is closing because of technology. We have um, people, especially on social media platforms that talk a lot more about this kind of veil that, um, and they pull away from it. Like what have we been trained to learn through marketing that maybe is no longer truly fact um, those people are amazing. You know, they speak to, to different ingredients. They speak to different trends that people think like they need to be following. And one of those broken systems that we try to dismantle at Do Mighty is the thought process of like, you can actually have really wonderful products that are put together with clinical actives that are meant for every skin type, because 
you can um, have something that's catered to sensitive skin and layer it with a lot of these wonderful clinical actives, but have it be non-irritating, have it be about building a healthy barrier and really being choosy um, with the entire formula. So that's kind of the real concept of why we started. Um, I wanted to make sure that like our pillars of the company were there and I wanted to keep them a very high standard. So that being kind of the basis of like every skincare product that I have to put on my skin because of my issues of eczema and irritation and just wanting everyone to that use our products to have a healthier barrier also meant that we were going to have to find a way that it was going to be refillable, waterless so that it was very compact and easy to travel with because I was never one to have a high fluff routine. Um, again, that's a different kind of person. I don't think it's necessary. 20 steps does not make it better than two steps. Um, if you've got the right ingredients and you're layering the right, you know, products that are great clinically active items. Um, and so all those things combined, you know, we really then poof, this innovative concept of we can be eco-friendly from the core, uh, but also have all these wonderful attributes that you've never seen before that make a product just super fantastic. So then what is Dumighty today? Like you launched three years ago. Yeah. What has it, what is it today? You've got a bunch of different project, products on there now. What, mm -hmm. how would you describe the company now and the products that you've got currently? Yeah, so the company now, um, really our mission is to eliminate the need for unnecessary plastic and to conserve resources whenever possible, um, you know, water being one of them. Uh, so we've got four main products. Um, you know, in 2020, we launched Bloom, Nourish and Calm, which is sort of our, our base hero serum for everyone. Our second product was actually two years later, plus we figured out a way to sample in a Strive Zero Waste way, which um, basically like didn't sell the product with our refillable container and gave the user two year, or two weeks, two years, <laughs> two weeks of being able to use the product um, to test the formula. And that was for us monumental because then our customers didn't have a high buy-in to get the products, um, but they could test everything. And so we've gone on with that for some time. So after two years, we ended up with two products and a sample of our first Hero Serum. Uh, then late last year um, at our third birthday, we were able to launch two more products that we felt were really fundamental to the line. I mean, we were listening to our, our customers. Basically, we have a really passionate um, customer base and we had two polls. We had customers that said, look, we love your Hero Serum. We love Healthy Skin Barrier. How do we get a little bit more in, you know, dark spots, age renewal? Right. Um, you know, because we actually have a demographic that can skew a little bit older, um, which people don't realize. But we have a lot of women who want this anti-wrinkle or fill-in wrinkles if they can. Um, and, you know, might also have like some acne so we came up with our Nova product, which um, is a retinol alternative without any of the drawbacks. So you can use it day or night. Um, it does all those functions with acne, dark spots, and wrinkles. Also, actually, you I mean, you and I were having a conversation about kids just before Sarah recording, but then like pregnant and breastfeeding women could probably use yeah. this if it's a retinol alternative. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we want it safe for all skin types. So 
pregnant, breastfeeding. I mean, I used, and then there was a, the second product that came out to Oasis. I used Oasis, um, all through my pregnancy, uh, knowing that when you want to prevent something like, and people don't think about it in a technical way, but if you think about the term stretch mark, your skin is stretching. I mean, women's bodies are so beautiful and like we can have these babies and they're in there for, you know, 40 weeks, just stretching your skin, stretching your skin. When your body grows too quickly versus like your skin as an organ, that's when your stretch marks happen. So if you were to put on something that's a really high skin protectant, more than just moisturization, honestly, like something that can um, help the, the barrier kind of stretch faster with it um, and give that armor, we came up with Oasis for that reason. And I tested it and I have about a half a dozen other girlfriends that have been using it with much success mm-hmm. for zero stretch marks. And that's incredible. But that was a big part of like what pushed me into wanting to create that other serum that's heavy, balmy, you know, something that's occlusive or more occlusive to the skin than just our hero serum that's like lightly dewy and hydrating and and just giving a healthy barrier. So now we have that in the line as well and in a large body bar format because, I mean, you want to be able to slather it all over. (laughs) I didn't even know Uh, serums could be could come in bar form. That's yeah, super interesting. Yeah. We were talking to um, Nora, the the creator of High Bar. She was yeah. talking about some things that you know they're trialing oils like in bar form. I had no idea that you could put serums in bar form. Like that's that's very cool. That changes yes. kind of the game in the in the quest to eliminate single use plastics and and get away from that and in more bar any kind of cosmetics and bathroom uh products in bar form i had no idea until yeah we we do we love bars i mean we you know there's there's a lot to solid format that i think was overlooked early on because um the technology just wasn't there to give a luxurious experience to the customer i think there are brands now that are breaking through that um and part of it is just thinking outside a bit of the box um, or the bottle that existed before. Um, so when we actually kind of bringing it a little bit to the beginning, when I talked about um, logistics and bringing in like a lot of our sort of vertical supply chain, you know, I formulate the products. We have a lab here. Um, when we create a formula, you know, it takes a long time, um, even since the start of the company. And I'll just mention this because we're kind of like working very hard to see by 2025 if we can um, finish some of our SPF products. The Ooh. start of the company. Yeah, we always knew we were going to need to do SPF. Um, that's very fundamental to keeping a healthy skin care routine and like practicing protection and whatnot. Um, so that that'll be like many years in the making. Um, But when the idea of our jelly serum bar just came about um, and Bloom was really the first and most important hero serum, um, you know, that took several years and it didn't start as a bar. So, you know, the technology needs to be there. And when we created it, um, the idea of no fillers 
with so important and natural actives because um, we don't really want to support, you know, big oil control so much of like the packaging industry. They're, they're in raw materials. I mean, honestly, if people really trace back, I know this might ruffle some feathers. Like, look, I know people are very passionate about palm oil. Okay. Palm oil is a big topic of deforestation. Um, you know, having it certified, if you do use it is very important, but if people knew and really researched how much petroleum derived ingredients or packaging or, um, fundamentally like the treatments of petroleum and what it goes into and how that impacted the world, you know, we would have another passionate group of people talking about it, um, except studies and different packaging companies, they don't do the work they need to because they want to make sure that they continue to support big oil. I mean, it's billions and billions of dollars. So I'll just say that, plant the seed for everyone listening that is really passionate against like no use of palm oil. And please look up kind of like the petroleum industry and some of the different studies and who they're sponsored by, carbon footprint studies, like just really look at that and why that's being used as like the eco way of, of measuring a KPI. Um, so I'll kind of go from there and say like we were able to discover and now we're patent pending. Um, we've already filed the patents um, and they, they should be coming back to us possibly sometime this year. But basically, um, our amino acid technology is one of the only natural and unique ways of putting together a very luxurious serum. Everyone else on the market, which I um, think like really had good intentions to creating solid products, wanted to just remove the water and create a solid, but with similar products as a lotion, um, you know, waxes being a big part of the system to harden. So they're not melt proof. And if they are, they're using heat activation on the skin. Whereas, I mean, our product really glides. It's super glossy and beautiful. Um, and it deposits because of the absorption and like the um, compatibility of the skin. So it really makes for a completely different product experience that I think is elevated in comparison to rubbing like a very hard bar that's like, you have to be in warm weather, you know, it's, it's just very different. So we're proud to say that we're the only ones and that, you know, we're, we're just elevating that experience to like a high-end serum for the skin. I can't wait to try this now. <laughs> and I'm probably I, squarely I sure in the age. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm excited you, you ship to the UK. I'm probably squarely in the age range for your, that last, what was it? Nova, that, that last one of the last products that you, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to add that to my basket now, right after this <laughs> conversation. Can you talk to us about um, in the past three years, how you've developed distribution channels, uh, where you guys are available, how you thought of that, uh, and then how you set up relationships, um, you know, your DTC channel. How did you think about this? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really great question because I am technically a, a product developer scientist by heart and, uh, learned marketer at this point. Um, if someone looked at our website four years ago, they'd be like, this is a completely different company. Uh, but it's pivoting, you know, it's, it's a lot of little changes. We couldn't do everything I wanted to at once with the marketing side We're we're a bootstrapping company. 
Um, we don't have big money behind us, but that's part of why my passion drives what we do. And so we love working with local sustainable businesses. I mean, all of our collabs, all of our retail partners, they're not big companies. We don't sell on Amazon. And I know I get like so many people saying like, what about Sephora? What about Ulta? Um, we get that they're the biggest companies, but are those guys really going to understand when they're just repping like all these different lines and you go in, um, you know, and their customers are used to like buying and just returning products. They, the concept is just lost there of what we're really trying to do. Um, you know, and they, they cycle through products the way that people I mentioned earlier cycle through um, buying something and, and the, the thought that you're just going to toss it if you don't like it or return it if you don't like it. Um, there, that's a greater impact on the planet that overconsumption and willingness to just move on to the next thing um, than finding the right people who just understand great ingredients paired with, um, uh, you know, the concept of refill, reuse. Uh, so we already knew that our partnerships were going to be local and more passionate people. Um, in the beginning, really, when we started wholesale and doing B2B, uh, we, I picked up the phone. I mean, that's, that's, it's as simple as that. I found the stores that were opening in different places. Um, I learned about them through social media or just looking on the internet. I was very passionate, actually, about our local neighborhood. And surprisingly, um, I'll just mention, we probably have the fewest stores in California um, versus across the U.S. on the East Coast is is like a big market. Um, and those individuals are really driving the change and more stores continue to open. Um, so they're really the ones that got me very passionate about doing store events. Um, you know, once we had openings in 2021 and 2022, like I went and traveled to a lot of these stores when I could before having my daughter. Um, and then, uh, you know, marketing wise, we just kept true to who we were. We talked about the performance of the products. I posted a lot on social media. Um, we had help making videos, you know, explaining kind of what we were talking about. We talked about being uncomplicated, unbottled, undiluted, um, and I just think people resonate with that, you know, like they want to find something that isn't the next, I'm going to throw it away or move on to the next thing. Like they want something in their medicine cabinet or in their, their travel bag um, that makes them happy and like tried and true always works when they use it. And that's just what we are. So you guys are available in store and online, e-commerce and brick and mortar. Absolutely. Um, we just launched actually a few days ago. <laughs> we did our store locator map. Um, so you can find that um, on dumighty.com. There's a page that has our store locators. I'm still uploading some um, because it's it's based on Google Maps. So if someone hadn't registered yet or if it doesn't show up on there, it's just uh, possibly the 20% that needs to be added manually. Um but we're in 200 doors across the U.S. and, um, you know, a handful, about a dozen across Canada and Japan um, and other places. We're hoping to get into some places in the U.K. Um, we've got quite a few customers that email in wanting to know where they can find us in the U.K. And we don't have anyone yet. Um, 
And I understand that like, you know, importing into the UK can be really tough because of the taxes and duties. But we get the same question also for Australia. Like I've had a large concentration of people ask about Australia. So we've got certain areas that we're looking for partners to. So if anybody's out there in those areas. Um, well, I was send- just going to say we have like, <laughs> you know, in our in our listener base and in our audience, especially on B1, we have a lot of um, organic grocery stores and refilleries all over the United States. So if somebody is interested in in stocking your product, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, we have a contact form on our website, and I try to always answer those back within 24 hours. There's actually a specific wholesale page. So if it's B2B, go to the wholesale page. um, Let me know. Oftentimes, too, I'm very in touch with our audience um, within Do Mighty. So you can even send a DM on Instagram um, or TikTok, and like I would be the one who would see it and answer back. So those are all great ways to get a hold of me. Um, and you know, it's spelled D E W M I G H T Y um, for all of those handles. But you know, I am very involved in the business. It means so much to me. So like having that direct line to people who want to know or an- needs questions answered, like that would be where I'm at. Awesome. Okay, that's amazing. Let's talk about your first customers. How did yeah. you, or did you, um, <laughs> you know, it's always, I mean, this is like for everybody. I don't know any, I've never talked to any entrepreneur that was like, actually we launched early, whether it's like a new feature <laughs> or product. That's like, actually everything came together seamlessly. We were able to launch two weeks early. That never, ever, ever happened. So having yeah. product delays and launch delays is just like part and parcel with being human entrepreneur. So when you guys were first um, launching and getting ready to launch, how did you start building customer interest and start connecting with customers before you launched? And then how did you convert those first customers into customers? Um, So uniquely, it's a little bit tied to our name, uh, which I don't think people realize all the time since do sort of people think of and this is why I chose it, um, you know, a luster on the skin, right? Do D.E.W. I actually started with a account on Instagram because when I when the veil was lifted on kind of this wasteful beauty industry back um let's call it like 2017 or something when stuff started to click for me and I was really thinking about all these different things. I started an account and really that, that account was called dreamers End waste. And it made me want to research companies uh, who's doing what to like make a difference. Like why recycling was everything that was le- everyone was leaning into recycling. And I already knew like that seemed really, really ridiculous for the broken system that it is. Um, And so I was able to learn enough to start an account and, you know, kind of think about like what I wanted to do with this Dreamers End Waste platform, um, which has since kind of gone away. Uh, But it started us very early in understanding social media and, um, you know, sustainability accounts and like what people were learning and what they wanted to see or hear Um, what was important to them, maybe what was missing, you know, I'm like, you know, are people talking about composting, you know, that's big for us, like, you might not be able to do it everywhere. But like, since recycling is broken, shouldn't we be choosing products that perhaps um, reintegrate into the earth as nutrient soil. So that really got us so much information 
early on um, before it became, you know, big to be a micro influencer or a mega influencer in sustainability. Um, and that's also why when we launched, uh, we already slowly had followers because we were posting about different topics that we we're interested in. We were learning about different things. The algorithm wasn't so let's call it choosy at the time, um, you know, customers could just look up certain topics. And like, if there, if it was a unique topic and they didn't know that much about it, like you would show up in the feed. And I also believe someone reminded me recently, don't forget that like social media at the time, you could post every day. And what people were looking at at that topic was based on timing, not just like the algorithm deciding to push you forward. So you really had like a bigger megaphone at that time. And we were lucky um, by that. So by the time we launched, we'd learn a lot about the customers. We had already cemented all of our concepts on our pillars and like what was really important to creating low impact products. Um, and we were able to launch with a lot more followers, um, I think, than like many people did. I think at the time we were at a few thousand Um and now I can't, I couldn't even imagine like what it must be like to launch now and to acquire and find like a few thousand followers that are passionate in your industry because it's so difficult with the, with the, the way the algorithm is. Um, but um, they were, they were very good at, you know, telling us what we should be doing or like if our information they felt like was wrong or un, unjust to the topic, they're like, well, think about this. They're like, have you read this article? And we still get that to this day. And I love it. That's so important. So um, those became our, those became our customers. <laughs> That's how we acquired them. Yeah. That's one. <clears throat> well, let's move on to some of our kind of the questions that we, people actually really enjoy. And we ask all of the time to, for in every interview. So we're at the beginning of the year. It's we're still in Q1 in 2024. What are your big plans for this year? If it's product launch, if it's growing in certain areas, if it's entering new markets, what are the big pillars for this year? Yeah, um, I mean, really hyper focused on our growth for the year. Um, and most of this is really relevant because of what we're trying to launch in 2025, which is the SPF. So hyper growth um, within our customers so that they can see that launch happen. You know, a lot of people don't know what it takes product development wise to get to um, an over the counter drug here in, in the U.S., and um, it's quite expensive. We're doing something really unique uh, also travelable, also refillable, um, you know, also reusable in a way that's that's from a metal um, component. And so all those items take a lot of mental capacity to develop, but also um, revenue. And um, I, we've been the customers been asking for this since the very beginning, but I, I just don't think there's a great understanding of the the resource intensive nature that it can be. Um, I think it's going to be an amazing launch when we do it. So we're going to continue to focus on that. And um, we're also deep diving into topics that I think other brands and I really respect what everybody's doing in the eco space, but other brands shy away from the discussions of bioplastics, forever chemicals, you know, um, the transparency of what's going on, um, you know, why we should be concerned, you know, there's just so much there. 
we're going to unpack that a bit more. And you've actually, if you're following our blogs um, and any, any of our videos for uh, social media, especially, we continue to talk about these things uh, because I just don't think they're well known. So we're going to continue to deep dive into that and start, I don't want to say controversial conversations, but just a deeper level of conversation than, ooh, look at my product. You know, we're, that's, we're a company that cares about <clears throat> beauty because that's what I know best, but we care a lot more about environmentalism and like creating education around that for our, our consumers and our followers. So I just did a um, customer discovery call with a young lady sitting in <laughs> Wales that will release on, on the podcast as well. And she is kind of an not kind of, she is an environmental activist and just a young person, but I wanted to know more about her shopping habits, what she was looking for uh, with regards to brands, et cetera. And her major thing was transparency. And she Amazing. was like, look, I would be a little bit more forgiving if a, like, if a brand makes a misstep, but then is transparent about their progress or what they're attempting to do and then make steps towards that. So when you just said transparency, I was like, oh, I recently had a conversation and the consumer was like, I want transparency. So that <laughs> is fantastic. That matches really, really well. Uh, it's Is it Ava by chance that you were talking to? I'm like curious if, uh, if I know was... this person. I only ask because there's someone that I've always very well respected. Um, she's very young. Her name is Ava and she's going to school right now in the UK. So I thought maybe you connected with her. Um, she uh, no, I don't the... think her name was Ava. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was like curious if you had talked to her because um, she even started a uh, like a climate school um, online that like if you're interested, you know, you could go to and and take a look at. I, I know her studies have been taking up a lot of her time, so I don't know, you know, how active she's been able to be, because um, I'm sure that's like a lot to take on. But I mean, she started her account when she was 16, 15 or 16, and I've been following her story for some time. And she's one of the few that have talked about our products and like have really enjoyed using our skincare. So I just had to ask because like she's well, drop her handle. We'll include that in the <laughs> show notes for everybody. No, this young uh, woman, I remember her name now. Her name is Tammy. Send us the handle and we'll we'll include that in the show notes for Ava. Oh, that would be great. Um and you know it's really interesting because I think a lot of people um talk about wanting to be transparent. Um and they they say transparency without really, you know, the actions need to meet words at this point. Um, I mean, we're so transparent. I, I really spent and we continue to modify it, like as we move along, adding more products. But, you know, we have a whole page just dedicated only to ingredients. And I feel like our information on there is is not meant to be fluff. You know, we talk about, um, you know, if a product is not certified organic, because I know that tends to be a lofty goal if you're going to create um, clinically active products. Uh, we talk about, you know, it's highly processed. So if you're going to use a product um, and it starts off as, let's say, some sort of bean oil of some sort or a plant press, and it doesn't start off as organic, but it goes through this synthesis processing and there's no herbicides or pesticides because of that, like, isn't that the same goal? What you're concerned about is, you don't necessarily want to, to spread the herbicides or pesticides. So even if they didn't certify it, but they can tell you it wasn't treated, 
um, and then it's not in the product, you kind of have met the same goals as you would have had being certified organic um, because that really started as like a food certification. So we talk about that actually on our ingredients page, some of the items being wild harvested. So you would never have it treated with herbicides and pesticides. And we classify each of our raw materials that way. We also, you know, try to share the country of origin <clears throat> and kind of the reasoning behind why it's in the product, um, the main function. And it's again, more than fluff because you can find some of these websites that just say, um, here's a great example, silica, right? It's a mineral found in the earth. The amount of silica that is naturally mined and put into beauty care products is so little because it's not sustainable doing it that way. Um, you don't wanna support child labor. And the process of making silica in the lab makes it much more sustainable than if you didn't make it in the lab and you mined it naturally. So we talk about all of this stuff, but you can naturally find it in the earth's crust. So then people will put on their website and not even knowing if they've certified it through the supplier that way, whether or not it's natural. Um, but we are, we are like that. And we do the same thing for our materials too, for all of our componentry um, our cartons and um, our primary boxes, since we have a very special gloss that we put on our paper um, to protect the product during shipping and uh, makes it easy to carry around before you put it in your metal container. This is so much, this makes me feel instantly like, God, I don't know anything about these products that I'm using in my bathroom and I don't even have that. Oh my gosh. This is, (laughs) this has been a fantastic education for me just in this conversation. Um, I have three questions left. Yeah, no problem. One, what do you feel like in the life of your business? Because we have a lot of entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs who are listening. In the life of your business, and I understand, you know, the research going into this started many years before the actual launch. What do you feel like is the biggest success? This is probably the hardest question because Success is measured in so many different ways. Um, I mean, there isn't just one. So like, I'll, I'll start it with that because every year I, I'm, my mind is blown by something that happens. Um, you know, just the fact that anyone in 2020 during COVID because of social media wanted to buy our products felt like a success at the time. Um, you know, so that was an incredible year, like really like having this beauty of a dream and kind of like putting all the steps in place to launching and then having strangers find us um, and be just as passionate is looking back on that feeling was really incredible. Um, But just recently, I have to say all within the same time period, you know, from January until now, uh, we won our second beauty design award for Oasis. Oh, congratulations. Which, yeah, that was incredible. Um, the agency that does that, Jennifer, really does a great job and is so knowledgeable in product um, to have us chosen for a new launch. Um, and it's the second time because we also had won previously with Bloom Um And so that was really incredible to learn that really late December, early January, and then to have actually two really well-known actors and comedians um, recently post about our products 
uh, just a week or two ago because they found us and and also are passionate low wasters, low impact and care about the planet. And they just Google searched us and found us um, and literally have been talking to me and asking about, you know, beauty routine and wanting to know why, um, you know, what to use and like why these products work so well and just have been so supportive in our journey. That's Um, lovely. Yeah. I mean, honestly, they could be doing anything with their time and (laughs) being able to talk with them and um, having their audience learn about us because of their wanting to pass on some of this information to them. I mean, that feeling like of our message getting through and that kind of like amplification, uh, I would say that that's been a success too. Um, so those are, those are probably what I would say right now, like is me, but yeah, like it's, it's been wonderful. Like 2024 has been a year. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Well, let's talk about the other, the flip side of that coin then. What do you feel like in the life of your building do mighty has been your biggest failure to date? Um, biggest failure, if I can even call it that is there was a slight misstep, I would say in, um, if I'm remembering the timing correctly, 2021, um, we kind of fell into that trap after launching and then going on to our second product of thinking we needed to do a little bit more in the traditional marketing route. So we we really expended a lot of resource in trying to learn a bit more about this, like, you know, Google ads and, um, you know, mass customers. Because, like, it, it basically resonated with me. Like, our messaging is so passionate. Like, more people are going to want to learn about this. Um, I had bit off, like, way more than I could chew, I would say, in learning marketing at that point. And it really took a lot of the resource that we probably could have spent more on our R&D um, and kind of went this more traditional route. After three months, I had the wherewithal to be like, this is nonsense. Um, if this is what it's about, you know, like, in a, <laughs> and this is, I, you've had enough entrepreneurs on here, you know, we don't necessarily subscribe anymore to the thought process of, we need a boatload of venture capital funding so that we could just lose money in the beginning to acquire customers and hope that they stay. I mean, that is, I'm just going to say nonsense. Like that might've worked seven, eight years ago. Um, Customers are too smart to just want to get hit with ads. We're too educational to even like go that route. And um, so after three months of giving it a go and then seeing like how nonsensical it was, like I stopped. (laughs) That would be, I would consider, I guess, like a misstep and something we learned really quickly about. And then like, just was like, look, we're going to stick with our core authentic audience. Like we don't need to be blowing up to this mass group. That's not going to understand what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's like, so well put. (laughs) I've heard a lot of similar things, especially if you're um, really a values or mission-based company. Um, It's, Yeah. Yeah. It could be just throwing money out the window Um, and you can lose a lot of money doing that. So it's, yeah, Yeah. I I understand that being a a misstep. Good thing you were able to course correct so quickly. Three months is, is, is very quick. Yeah, we try. I mean that we're always pivoting, making sure we're being our most authentic selves um, as a company. And um, 
I think I think the mass consumer will get there. Uh, we have lofty goals to keep going in through our niche. Um, and like I said, it's it's really about that authenticity and education um, and talking about what we're passionate about, because I feel like and maybe I might be looking at it in um, a small sliver of a way. But if I don't understand the topic and I'm really passionate about it, there's probably millions and billions of other people that are in the same category. So you got to really go one step at a time, you know, let's not leap forward um, and maybe even end up sounding preachy to people when we're really not. Um, we're here to have the conversation, to have the debate. Um, let's open the topic. Let's see like what direction you're coming from. We have a viewpoint, you have a viewpoint. Um, and that's kind of where we're going to continue to do our best. Um, whereas, you know, marketing is like a three to five second journey that ends up um sounding preachy if you're if you're basically gonna try to talk about sustainability to a group of people that like have been over consuming their whole life and doesn't understand the difference between convenience and potentially um you know what the difference is between quality and and quantity <laughs> so, you know. yeah for sure uh, okay in the last question that we ask everybody if you could get 85 percent of the world to adopt a single behavior what would it be yeah, this one <clears throat> would be to look at, you know, when you purchase a product, are you really doing it in a conscious way of need? I hear often, and I sort of just said it in the last sentence, um, but convenience is measured differently for different people. Um, we're all doing our best, I think, to li live within our means to enjoy life, to be there and be present, I think, with our families, friends, and loved ones. Um, but convenience can come at a cost. Uh, so when someone believes in convenience and they're just sort of pushing the button and buying something, um, you know, they don't know what business they're supporting. They don't know necessarily. They haven't, like, really done the background. Um, they're just thinking something's going to show up in my hands in a minute or two or a day, you know, if it's our favorite big uh, place to get product in a day or two. Um, so I really urge people, and if 85% of, of the world could really look at, you know, who do I actually want to support? In a small business, you're supporting people who passionately care about different topics. The money goes back into your local communities. Um, it's been researched and shown that it recirculates within your own community. You're not just giving to a nameless big corporation um, that's looking for loopholes and ways to plant their flag in every single country and build some mega business and take that money and do what with, right? So um, that's the most for us. Because if you are a conscious consumer and you push the button less often just to have something in your hands, which more likely would get thrown away anyways, you would be looking at these small businesses differently and you'd be wanting to support them instead of, um, you know, these behemoth companies that you're never going to really ever get a hug from so. <laughs> and supporting your local community. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> and I don't mean small business like just us either, by the way. I mean, there's a lot of people to look at um, local restaurants, you know, local retailers, Everybody who opens a business is really like us, you know, someone who's looking at um, survival, like feeding their family, doing good things in the community. So um, I just mean it in a way like 
take a look at just who you want to actually support. And if you get sad when a store closes because you liked going there or you thought it brought a lot of local color to your community, then just understand the reason why they're closing is because maybe you didn't go in enough and support them um, because it's not too late. Uh, we're already seeing that a little bit here in California where, you know, like rent is going up and things are very difficult. Um, so stores are closing uh, when they can't make it. But um, yeah, there's there's definitely that. So 85% of the people doing that, we're going to have a totally different world out there. It would definitely indeed look a lot different if we had a lot of more purposefulness in consumption, for sure, whatever it looks like. Um, yeah. Okay, and then can you plug where we can find you um, on social media? I know you mentioned it already, but just, just give it another whirl. Yeah, of course. Um, so our, our website's www.domighty.com. Um, we've got social media handles, um, Do Mighty at Instagram, TikTok, um, Facebook, which, you know, is there, we're not super active on, but it's there. And, um, if you ever want to just talk to me directly, uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. So send us a message, uh, through our contact form or just on any of those platforms and I'll be sure to get back to you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Tiffany. This has been a very educational and a really, if I could say, um, it's, it's, it's very obvious that you as a founder are very purposeful about how you spend your time and what you want to put into the world. So that is lovely to see. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and that is one of the common threads. People are dedicating their lives and their times and their, their livelihoods as well to make something, put something back into the, to the world that will make a, a positive impact. Um, so it's great to talk to entrepreneurs like yourself. who are so passionate about this. I recommend that everybody on B1 go have a look at do money. I'm going to finish my purchase myself, <laughs> put one more product into the basket and then check out uh, since you guys shipped to the UK. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And honestly, um, I can't imagine any other way spending my time. So this is fantastic. And I hope you have a great one. Thank you, everybody else. We'll see you on B1.